I love etymology, which is a scientific study of the origin and evolution of a word or of saying's semantic meaning. Now, some of you may have heard the term highbrow or lowbrow before. The terms highbrow and lowbrow come from phrenology, the 19th century science of regarding the shape of the skull as a key to intelligence. A high forehead meant high intelligence, a low one, not so much. Well, the so-called science of phrenology isn't used anymore for a number of different reasons, not the least of which is that it led to notable episodes of racism and prejudice. But what if we could use physiognomy, the art of understanding other people based on their facial features, to unlock the keys to better communication? Welcome to episode 185 of This Shit Works, a podcast dedicated to all things networking, relationship building, and business development. I'm your host, Julie Brown, speaker, author, and networking coach. And today I am joined by Brian Gulke, a facial decoding expert who is going to discuss how we can discover how people like to be interacted with simply by looking at the shape of their face. Welcome to This Shit Works, your weekly no-nonsense guide to networking your way to more friends, more adventures, and way more success with your host, Julie Brown. Here we go. Are you skeptical about this topic? I would be surprised if you weren't, which is why I want to have this discussion. My guest today thinks that the face is a map of what we have been through, and it speaks volumes about people without them having to say a word. And if we can learn to decode it, we can easily build rapport and strengthen our relationships. And isn't that what this podcast is all about? So without further ado, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, find this fascinating. My first question would be briefly. How does someone get involved in this expertise, technically facial decoding? Like, how do you become involved in it and then become an expert and a speaker on it? Sure. Fluke circumstance. Like most things in life, it was very much unplanned. I had a friend who was coming to Dallas. I live in Dallas, Texas. She was coming into town for a trade show. And she said, you need to come meet this guy who's a speaker. And he's over at the trade show. I'm like, why do I need to meet this guy? She said, he reads faces. I go, oh yeah, let me rush over there for that one. <laughs> you know? I thought there's no way I've got over here, body language books, everything. I'm an introvert at heart. And so I, like every good introvert, wanted to study people to figure out how to interact with them. And I went over there, but I thought, since I've never heard of this, this is total BS. I'm going to go blow holes in this guy. He's going to say generic things that are known as Barnum statements, which are, oh, you've had a hard time in life or something so generic. It applies to everyone. Is that so, from like Barnum and Bailey? Yes. That's oh, okay. Exactly, that's Very, exactly I, I love entomology. Like yes. I love etymology so much. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly right. And so I went over there and I was like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to prove he's a fraud. And he sat us down at dinner and without, without us saying a word, there were six, eight people with us. And he dissected every single person to a T, including me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what is this? And so he had a book and what happened was he was an attorney who went to uh, the pretty prestigious school here in Texas, uh, Texas Christian University, AKA TCU. Yeah. And <clears throat> he went there for undergrad and then law school. Well, while he was studying, he found phrenology that it's taught to attorneys for jury consult. And he ended up loving it so much that he left his law profession and decided to teach that around the world full time. 
And he created books, he created flashcards, and it's been around since the Greeks where they started trying to understand people based on their facial features. Okay. And what he found was he had such incredible good luck. And I guess luck is a bad term. When he used the skill, he got good feedback from it. And so much so that what he would do when he was traveling is he would actually go to fairs and other places and set up a booth and just say, hey, let me do it for free. And that way he got feedback that wasn't biased from people. Right. And so I thought, okay, I'll study this and I'll see. And as I mentioned, I was kind of an introvert. I was on the help desk when I found this book. And I was great at body language, but body language is reactive. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, this is the first proactive skill I can use. So I bought the book. I bought the flashcards. I still keep them on my desk to this day to show people. I know it's kind of hard really? to see the light. Okay. And I would take them out and I started getting feedback on it. And it helped me go from being on the help desk to a regional vice president of sales. Because once I learned to focus on other people, two things happened. One, I got on my own way. You know, so many times as being an introvert, we're overthinking things and I was making it about, oh, what do they think about me instead of how do I build a bond with them? And number two is when you're in sales, especially we get what's called commission breath because we're so focused on what we want to push as our agenda. But when we learn to alter it, it's like going to another country and, and instead of demanding that they speak English, you learn mm -hmm. basic phrases of their language and it changes right. the engagement. Right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the facial features that you mo mostly look at for an analysis. Yes. Where do we start on the face? I start with eyebrows, but the reason for that is because you can see eyebrows. Take my glasses off so you can see my well, eyebrows. Actually, here's the funny thing. If you put your glasses back on, most people pick glasses that match their eyebrows. So see Oh, I guess I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's the funny thing. That's why I teach eyebrows. Two reasons. One is eyebrows lead to eye contact, mm -hmm. but you can also see them from across the room. So for example, if you're going to an event, a networking event, and you don't know the people you're going to meet, I start with here because then it leads to eye contact. Okay. But you can also figure out just from eyebrow height and eyebrow shape, the very, very basics. I could talk about eyebrows for half a day, but the very basics are the higher the eyebrow, the more time they need to make a decision. I just did a post about this on uh, Instagram today and TikTok. Okay. Um, the higher eyebrow, you imagine data trying to race down the forehead to get into the eye, the higher the eyebrow, you can only go so fast, go over the speed bump and then try and speed up again versus somebody's eyebrow who's very low, sits almost on top of their eye. Those are people who make decisions very fast. So data can race down their forehead very fast. Okay. So if you walk into and you meet someone and the eyebrows higher, they're going to need more time to process the decision. If the eyebrow sitting on top of the eye, get to the point faster. And you mentioned earlier that we talk about this in our everyday phrases. So when we talk about in comedy, there's highbrow humor and lowbrow humor. Yeah. Highbrow humor is when somebody tells you a joke and you got to kind of think about it and then you laugh. Lowbrow humor is jackass <laughs> and three stooges. Yeah. Yeah. So we talk about face, uh, faces all the time in our everyday language. And the reason for that is it was taught also to authors and artists. So not just attorneys, but I call it the triple A. Attorneys, authors, and artists. Why? Because authors in older books didn't have a picture for every character in the book. Men wore suits, women wore dresses, so you couldn't expand upon their wardrobe. The only two ways to describe characters in a book were through their actions and through their facial features. Mm -hmm. And then if you've ever watched any Disney show, read any fairy tale, what do they do? They tell us about the people based on what they draw. And that's why no matter where you go in the world, villains look the same, witches, mm -hmm. vampires, you name it. Heroes look the same. Someone who takes care of people have all the rounded features because they all took the same courses. So we've been taught our entire life 
how to understand people based on their facial features. It just wasn't a formal training like we're learning today. So it, the eyebrows, is that the only thing it's telling you is how quickly they make decisions and process information? Or That's does... just the height of it. There's three oh, basic okay. shapes of eyebrows. There are okay. straight eyebrows, which is get straight to the point. There's okay. angled eyebrows. What's my angle? Help me understand it. And then there's yeah. rounded eyebrows, which are they think about the people around them first and themselves second. So I, I like to, I always start off the presentations with, let me teach you how to get free food or drinks, upgrades in a hotel or upgrades on an airplane. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I love getting free shit. <laughs> yeah. So the first part is if you want free food and drink, the first place you can go practice this is servers. Why? Because okay. servers are overworked and underpaid. But it, you can throw me under the bus and say, hey, I heard this podcast. And this guy, Brian, said that your eyebrows kind of explain a little bit about you. Can I ask you about what your eyebrows say? And people go, yes. And when you get it right, they're like, wait, wait, let me get somebody else. And they start bringing people over. And when you do it, all of a sudden they're like, can we get you anything? You're like, yes, you can. So that's <laughs> Get me all the shit. Oh, yes. And then if let's say you're going to a hotel and you want to ask for upgrades. Well, if they have a straight eyebrow, you know, to get straight to the point. So you can just walk in and say, I'd like an upgrade. Are there any upgrades available? Exactly. Yeah. If it's an angled upgrade, are you the person who can help me get an upgrade? Because mm -hmm. it's what's in it for them. Especially okay. if you have status with the hotel, you can say, hey, I'm a diamond member. Are you the person who can help me with an upgrade? Yep. And if okay. it's a rounded eyebrow, they think about the people around them. You can say, oh, that flight was just obnoxious. I'm just, I would love a place I could stretch out in, maybe a little larger room to walk around in. Mm -hmm. And then they'll go, oh, I can get you an upgrade. And those same skills can be used on the airplane. So I'll go to the airports. And I'll give a, a great example. I was in Indianapolis one time trying to get home to Dallas, but they wanted me to fly to LGA or LaGuardia Airport, spend six hours there, and then catch a flight. Yeah. And it was going to be like 14 hours worth of travel. Nope, not going to do that. Yeah. So I went to the airport early. The, the uh, lady working at the gate, because they're the ones that have the power, yes. she had rounded eyebrows. And I knew there were storms coming in. That's why my flight was being uh, delayed and moved around and everything. So my first question, because she had rounded eyebrows, was, hey, how are your coworkers doing today? Because they think about the people around them first, mm -hmm. themselves second. She said, they're all doing okay. I said, I know it's your fault because you guys control the weather and the pilots and the flight attendants and the maintenance. You know, it's all your fault. And she laughed. And I said, and how are you doing today? Is everybody being nice to you? She said, yes. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, great. Look, I'm on the eight o'clock flight, the one that's going to have to go to LaGuardia. You know, I saw there's a three o'clock flight. I have the second best seat in the house. If there's any way to get me on that three o'clock flight, I would just love it. Mm -hmm. So do you think I got on the three o'clock flight? Yeah. I also got bumped to first class. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> and it's all about people have the power and mm -hmm. this is just a skill. It's not the only skill. I read body language books. I'm currently reading a book called the light switch L I K E. Mm -hmm. I think you guys would love it. Um, right. It's written by a former FBI agent who would ran the behavioral analysis unit where they were teaching FBI agents how to figure out who they wanted to be an asset to flip to come work for the U.S. Yeah. against their country. Yeah. It's a fantastic book. And um, so I'm constantly always working on my skills, but this was the first skill that, one, it kept me in the moment with a person. I think everyone needs to know how to read body language. The top two body language books I recommend are, number one, Janine Driver's You Say More Than You Think. Mm -hmm. That's what does my body language say about me when I walk into a room. It's good. It's filled with excellent exercises for you to examine your own body language. Then I like Joe Navarro's What Everybody is Saying, because it's a very picturesque book okay. that says, what is other people's body language saying? So I mm -hmm. do think it's an important skill. 
But what I realized is you have to be in the room and that's reactive skills that you're paying attention. Like, you know, right. is somebody being put off by me? Am I doing good? Are they crossing their arms? Are they leaning away? But with faces, when I'm giving you my time and attention in a day and age where these lovely devices connect us to the world, I'm holding up my phone for since we're on audio, um, our phones connect us to the world, but they disconnect us from each other. Sure. And when I agree with that. Yeah. And when you're learning to actually look someone in the eye and give them your time and attention, it's what sets you apart in the day and age yeah. where smart watches and everything else distract us. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the lips. I've heard you say you can read a lot about somebody from the shape of their upper lip or. I, yes, that's correct. This, I, and okay. There's a cheat sheet. If anybody wants to get it, you can go to just get the cheat sheet and it'll cover or sorry, get the cheat sheet.com and it'll cover eyebrow height, the three eyebrow shapes and a few other features, including lips. But if, when we say the phrase, keep a stiff upper lip, that means be stoic, right? Hold your emotions in. Yeah. That's based on when people have thinner upper lips, you know not to ask a lot of personal questions until they feel comfortable. So I've done a lot of traveling around the world. When you go to former communist countries, you'll see a lot of thinner upper lips or flatter upper lips. Why? They couldn't have a public opinion about things. That was risking death. So if you watch body language, it's called a lip concealment where you go like this when you're mm -hmm. keeping your mouth shut, right? So as you do that over time, what happens is there's 42 muscles in the face the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle. So if you're, let's say as a kid, you were raised in a household that you were told kids are to be seen and not heard. Well, every time you yeah. start to talk, they shut you down and you go, mm -hmm. and that will literally flatten out your lip over time. It's also the reason why the number one plastic surgery right now is lip enhancement. And nobody really knew why. It's because this is our personal lip. Our upper lip is our personal lip. And we want to seem more approachable. Now, here's a funny thing. Women have been changing or altering their lips for centuries because what mm -hmm. someone will do is they'll actually draw on with lipstick larger upper lips than they actually have. Mm -hmm. So if you ever have gone up to see, especially like an older, like in, let's say late 70s, sometimes mm -hmm. you'll see they'll draw their lipstick larger than their lips actually are. Mm -hmm. You know, that was going to be my question when you were talking about eyebrows, because especially women, women very rarely have naked eyebrows. Like mm -hmm. we, we put eyebrow pen on them. We put gel on them. Yes. Our eyebrows that you see on our face are mm -hmm. usually much smaller than, um, but than what we show because of makeup. Yes. But then also with lip enhancements, like, so how, how are you reading people who, I guess, mostly female? Right. Um, because we have a face on mostly every day. Great. I have a, an analogy for this because I have a six-year-old. One time we went to a birthday party and they had face, uh, face painters there. And mm -hmm. what happened is Whatever her face was painted as is what she projected to the world and how she acted at the exact same time. So she went as a little lion. And so she, or she was actually a tiger. Sorry. She'd walk around as a tiger and go, rah. And everybody treated her like a tiger because they could see on her face what she wanted to be treated like. Makeup is, and plastic surgery are no different. So uh, the, if you do a study on especially younger girls who feel out of control of their life, what they'll do is they'll shave off if they have rounded or straight eyebrows. And they'll draw on angled eyebrows because mm -hmm. angled eyebrows are what's my angle. Help me understand it. But they're also seen as authoritarian eyebrows, as in I want to be involved in the process. And so nobody knew why they were doing it. And sometimes you see where they've overdone the, the angle in their yeah. eye. Where it looks ridiculous. But that's the reason why that they draw in the angled eyebrows. So when you are altering your face, you're attempting to change how what you present to the world and how people respond to it. So we know yeah. how we do that with clothing. It's just there's ways to do it with facial features as well. 
Do you think there are any ethical considerations surrounding the use of this tool? Like, you know, guys were using this tool in diverse cultures or multicultural settings. Like what are what are the ethics around it or ethical? So far, I haven't found anything that has really stood out to me. And the reason for it is I'm not saying every uh, gender has this or every race has this because it's about what do your features for your particular face say about you? So, for example, everybody can have large lips or small lips. And with having larger ears or larger eyes, it's based on specifically your features. And it's not just a feature. It's a combination of features. So it's kind of like cooking. When people are learning this, they learn eyebrows first, like eyebrow height. Then they'll come to eyebrow shape. And you work your way down the face, kind of like reading a book, top to bottom, left to right. I used to be really concerned about teaching this to HR because I thought, well, what if somebody doesn't get a job based on what somebody can learn about facial features? But then you have to think of it from the company side. What's worse than a bad hire? So I I don't know that there's necessarily anything that is really there because it's not about judgment. It's more about trying to understand people because there are Mm -hmm. very few facial features that somebody should meet like a boo and step away from. Now, Mm -hmm. there's combinations of features that I'll pay attention to. And it's, again, what we've been taught over time. So if I see somebody who has a very downturned nose and has a pointy chin and has angled eyebrows, I'm going to pay more attention to them. But it has nothing to do with gender, race, anything of that nature. Um, right-handed, left-handed, it's all, what do their features say? And because there's 42 muscles in the face, our features change constantly over time. So in my presentations, I'll show a picture of me at 18 versus 38. And my ears used to stick out more. My eyebrows were straight versus angled now. And then my eyes used to angle down and over time they angled back up. So our facial features can change as well based on what's going on in our, our mind. So I mentioned earlier, the mind creates movement, movement creates muscle. Well, when your parents said, stop making that face or get stuck that way, there's actually some truth to it. Yeah. When my husband says to me, don't make that face. I'm like, it's the only face I have. <laughs> right. Um, I've, I've listened to, watched a couple of your videos and um, I think, I think they're great. The videos where you're speaking in front of crowds. Right. And I, I heard you say in one of the videos that, we, for better communication, need to learn to speak other people's language instead of pushing our own agenda. I mean, yes. I mean, we're all trying to get something out of, you know, out of our efforts. And for most people who listen to this podcast, it's networking and relationship mm-hmm. building. So, but w- so what do you mean by speaking other people's language? I mean, I'm assuming there's the literal. Yes. When you go to another country, try to speak their language. But sure. what are we talking about when we're all speaking the same? A very simple one is... People learn through three basic submodalities that is auditory, visual, and kinesthetic learning. So, if someone has in proportion to their, their size of their face larger ears, then they tend to be auditory people. So, you'd say things like, Hey, does this sound like a good idea? Do you hear where I'm coming from? Or what I hear you saying. So, those are with people with larger ears. If people have larger eyes, then they're more visual learners. So, you'd say things like, Well, picture this. Do you see where I'm coming from? Like, and now, and I'm bad. I will hang up a physical phone call and say, okay, I'll see you later. Why? Because I'm extremely visual. If I only use visual terms talking to an auditory person, they're not always going to hear what I'm saying. Yeah. So you learn to add it all in. And then the third component is kinesthetic. They're hands-on learners. And the facial feature that represents that is below the nose and above the upper lip. If it's a very wide area right here, uh, it's called the, uh, not the frenulum. I can't think of the term right now. 
But when that's wide, those tend to be hands-on physical people who like to learn with hands-on learning. So you'd say things like, well, once we get up and get moving and once we take charge, and here's the crazy part, if you're going to go meet in with someone who does podcasts or they put out press releases or they've got a, um, a blog, they will write in the language that they prefer. So one time I went to, there's a company here in Dallas I did training for, and I went and grabbed one of the blogs of their CEO, what was actually a press release. And it was, we're going to hit the ground running. And once we get up, we're just going to tackle the competition. So when I met with them, what did I do? I used kinesthetic words. Why? I want to speak his language. I can't stop looking at myself trying to figure out what my face is saying. Like, it's... I know the listeners, this is not a visual medium, but we, you know, Brian and I can see each other and I'm feeling a little self-conscious right now because I feel like, what is he saying about my eyes? What is he saying about my lips? You know? (laughs) So it's funny. I call this the skill to make you want to lean in and look away because once, (laughs) (laughs) once you learn it, that's why I purposely put a picture of myself up like six slides into my keynotes because I want people to see my face and know it's not that bad. But what was funny is the gentleman that taught to me, great guy, but when he would teach it, you'd go sit in a chair in the middle of the room and he'd point at your face and you're like, okay, it's awkward enough to be in the center of the room, but he's literally pointing at your face. But one of the things that he taught me over time was when you're talking about other people's facial features, what do you do? You point at yourself and you say, well, I can tell by your this, that way the person can see what you're talking about versus if I do this the whole time I point at you, all you see is my finger and we know that pointing is bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, so that's why the company is called Subtle Skills, because if you learn this, you never have to tell anybody what you're doing. And that's yeah. the funny thing is it, it's hit or miss. Once I, I ask normally if I'm at, let's say it's a two-day event, I ask to be a day one speaker so people can come up and talk to me afterwards. And the yeah. entire reason why is because people are fascinated by it. We all want to know more about ourselves and what are the faces saying. And right. so what I set up, like, for example, if I have a 60-minute keynote, I'll leave the last 15 minutes for volunteers if there's a way for them to get up on stage. But if yeah. not, I hang around at the events so people can come up. And going back to earlier, the thinner upper lip, if somebody said, oh, analyze their face, I won't do it. Now, if they yeah. come up and say, would you analyze my face all day long? But I know automatically people are guarded with that thinner upper lip. And so if, if they have that and somebody else volunteers them, I know they're not going to be happy with it. And I'll actually write down a piece of paper. They're going to disagree with everything I say. And because we were talking about a mutual friend that I want you to meet, Janine Driver. Janine is a rock star when she's on stage. She shares all of her stories. She even overshares sometimes. And when she gets yeah. off stage, if people ask her personal questions, she goes, why do you need to know that? So it's once you get to know people, you can just recognize these features and know, do I need to keep it strictly business? Should I make it personal? But you're right. As soon as people know what you know, then they're a little more like, oh, how are you doing? Let me just hide my face the entire time. Okay. <laughs> so we'll do, let's do a quick read, read my face quickly. Sure. And I promise I won't get upset. <laughs> well, yeah. So I'll tell you one of the things that stands out that first is you have very full upper eyelids. And that's one of the things yes. that's on a cheat sheet. So I was raised in the day and age of Dr. Seuss. So the more lid you see, the more they think in terms of we. So I know you like to do things with other people. You prefer that doing Mm -hmm. things alone. So if I was going to do anything, I would invite you to go. But I would also, when talking to you, use inclusive language. Like, well, once we do this and once we get started, when we work together, because that's how you think is with fuller upper eyelids. Your eyes also. for makeup too. Yes. Well, and, but you choose to highlight it with your makeup, right? Um. 
your eyes angle up slightly. So you were more the optimist that you want to hear about the positive side of things. If I have to come deliver bad news, start with the positive, then work down to the negative mm-hmm. instead of starting at the negative. Yeah. With good, strong jaws. Once you make up your mind, yeah. you can easily latch in and hold your ground. You're pretty much immovable. So if I had to come and convince you to change your mind, I better bring facts, figures, and data and a legitimate reason because you don't waver easily. Right. Um, then we talked about that. Um, here, here's a funny one. When our noses tilt up slightly that we can always see our nostrils right away. Yeah. That's like saying, I've got air to share with other people. So people come up and talk to you because they're like, oh, she's up for listening to what I'm going to talk about. And she's got air to share. Well, air is a very vital thing, right? So if we all said, take a deep breath, people go through their nose. So when your nose yeah. angles up slightly, that tells other people that you're willing to listen and share your time and attention as well. And then uh, race. I'm like, anything else? Oh, yeah. So when you talk, you've got talk lines right here. So um, yeah. for the people listening, what we're talking about is it's it's to the, if you're going from the inside the mouth to towards the ears, she's got vertical lines in her chins when she smiles. So that is a talk line. So I know that's the way you get to know people is through deep conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then raise your eyebrows up, squint down. Squint? Mike. Yeah, squint. Okay, so I can't see if you have, is there a way to make this larger? Okay, squint down again for me. Okay, so you have two. So that's called the force focus line right here. Some people call them their 11s in their Yeah, okay, I well, shouldn't get Botox. Well, you it, shouldn't be able it, to yes see that. No. So what we're talking about for the people listening is when I had her squint, when she raised up her eyebrows, she's got long lines that are horizontal across her forehead. That's someone who does deep, intense study. So she, while you can give her the bullet points, you better give her the user manual because if she likes it, she dives in deep to understand things. Mm-hmm. Then when she squinted, in between her eyebrows were two um, vertical lines that are, are fairly deep. And what that means is deep, intense study. When she's in the middle of something, then she completely can zone out everyone else while you're working. Mm-hmm. And then um, what else did I see when you did that? Oh, so what the interesting area is in between your eyebrows is this area right here. It's a little bit, uh, it's called a self-will pad. And what that means is you could have a micromanaging boss that wouldn't matter because you're always thinking, what else should I do? What else should I do? What else should I do? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> so my boss is terrible it's me yeah <laughs> so yes those, those are all the things i can see and this is over a very very small picture but what i'll do right. for fun is i'll go grab a few pictures of you off of instagram and other places and i'll put arrows and this is what people think all the time oh he's just gaslighting or he's just saying things are there the whole reason i send you a picture of it is because i'm going to be able to repeat exactly what we talked about at another time so unless right. your face has changed dramatically since the last time i saw you I'll be able to do the same diagnose, uh, diagnosis or decoding your facial features every single time I see you. I'm going to say the same thing because I have a procedure, top to bottom, left to right. Now, the only thing that may change is like I used to have straight eyebrows. Over time, I got angled eyebrows because once I became a corporate trainer, I had to understand the material for me to be able to uh, and digest it, to be able to explain it to other people. So angled eyebrows don't necessarily mean a bad thing. But they can because it's an authoritarian thing. The person wants to be in control. Well, if you're a corporate trainer, that's what you are, mm-hmm. right? You have to deliver the information. Or now that I teach on how to d- understand facial features, I have to understand the material. That's my angle to then explain it to other people. So I still want to help other people learn the skill, but I have to learn it first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like you're cheating. <laughs> it, it is to a degree. It, the, funny, the cool thing is, is people's faces are a map that tells us how to talk to each other. We just haven't been formally trained. Crazy part, because you looked this up earlier, 
phrenology was actually the reason that this got kicked out of the academic system. So once this was taught, it was part of the, the education system until Henry VIII said, I don't like the idea that beggars and vagabonds can use this skill. And so when they said phrenology, which was bumps on your head is what you're born with. And as you mentioned, it was very prejudiced. Well, they threw it out and they said, well, we'll get rid of physiognomy, which is face reading at the exact same time, but it was still kept alive to teach to the three A's attorneys, authors, and artists. Yeah. So it is, it is like a cheat code, but everyone's face is just telling you, here's how to talk to me. We just yeah. haven't been formally taught. It's interesting when you think about the, the attorneys, because any sort of true crime documentary, which I've watched, which everybody knows I've watched, like when they talk about jury selection or if they do a deep dive into how they chose the jury, jury, I think it's so interesting how they choose juries, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, oh, we do it based on these features of their face. It's mostly like, what are they wearing? What are they doing with their hands? Like how, how is their face reacting to certain um, stimuli in the room, whether they're words or whatever, but not just the actual physical structure of the face. The physical, the resting facial features give you an idea of how do they take in and process information. Everything else that you just mentioned is reactionary. So microexpressions by Paul Ekman. I think most people should learn that. The reason I don't focus on it is I feel like I'd be so busy waiting for your face to react that I wouldn't be giving you the time and attention that I need to. Um, Body language, I already mentioned. I think it's huge. Everybody needs to do it. Um, You can look at someone. We're all, we have an idea of body language. If somebody's closed off, we know not to ask yeah. a lot. If people are open, they're open for conversation. So you're right. Yeah. Jury uh, attorneys use a variety of things in what they call trial science. Yeah. But yes, physiognomy is one of them or face reading is a skill that's taught to some attorneys as well. Yeah. Well, I told you in, in, in the intro that, yes, I was skeptical, even though I had watched, you know, we have talked before and I had watched your things, but mm-hmm. because I had not seen it in action. Right. Um, I don't think I'm so skeptical anymore. I think there's some real shit here. <laughs> yeah. I actually, one of my slides, in addition to the, the pictures of me with, between ages, is I said, are you skeptical? So was I, because I was. I thought if I hadn't heard of it and I can find very few books on it, it can't be real. And right. so I encourage people, look, get the cheat sheet, go and test it for yourself. But it changed my life. I've been using it for 13 and a half years. Mm-hmm. And is it 100%? No. Is it high 90s? Yes. And um, I'll have to send you some clips of the last, I did a two hour presentation last 30 to 45 minutes was just people coming up because this was a very small private mastermind. Mm-hmm. And people always come up stoic, right? Oh, they're not going to be able to read me. And they always walk away either me. turning red or laughing because they're like, God, how does he know this? And I'm like, it's yeah. not. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So the cheat sheet is getthecheatsheet.com. Correct. And then what about you? Um, where should people connect with you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it your website? You mentioned Instagram. Like, Where is the, or Twitter, sure. I think, or X or TikTok? Uh, I'm pretty much agnostic. I need to get better. I don't do Twitter. I should add that in. But on everywhere. No, you shouldn't. You should no. just leave. <laughs> I, I think you should be like dominant in one or two places. So right. I'm dominant in Instagram. And That's where I am also. Um, for It's right. subtle skills. Nobody can spell it, but S-U-B-T-L-E. And then skills, S-K-I-L-L-S. And what you'll see underneath it is because it's verified, it has my real name too, which is Brian, G-A-L-K-E. But I'm everywhere, subtle skills. Well, that's awesome. Okay. And I'll put links to that in the show notes anyways. 
Um, but this actually has been really, really interesting. I'm I'm really glad I'm forgetting how we were introduced. It'll Kevin Kepler. Kevin, Kevin, yeah. the man with the million dollar voice. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, Kevin. My my listeners will remember that voice. Um, so Kevin introduced us, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad we did this. Thank you for coming. Yes, thank you for having me. So what do you think now? Are you still skeptical? I have to tell you, after I talked with Brian, he sent me a bunch of marked up images of my face, pointing out how the different parts of my face, the shapes, the angles, etc., laid out a roadmap for him understanding how I like to be communicated with and also how I like to engage with people. You know what? He wasn't far off, I got to tell you. Does this seem like a lot of work? Yes. Constantly analyzing the features of others to determine how to interact with them seems like it would be exhausting. But maybe it's the kind of thing, you know, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. In any case, I really enjoyed my conversation with Brian. I walked into it thinking it was going to be more of a sideshow talent, if you know what I mean. Funny that he referenced P.T. Barnum in the beginning of our conversation. But I left thinking it might actually be a really valuable tool if you take the time and effort into learning more about it. Now, onto the drink of the week, which, sticking with the circus theme, is the electric circus. Here's what you're going to need. Three-fourths ounce of gin, three-fourths ounce of Midori, three-fourths ounce of lemon juice, three-fourths ounce of Genepi, one dash barkeep Chinese bitters. I didn't know what that was, so I used um, regular aromatic bitters. Combine all ingredients in a mixing glass and shake with ice. Shake, 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 shake. Strain into a coupe or a cocktail glass and garnish with a lemon twist. All right, friends. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you like what you heard today, please leave a review. Please do that and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please remember to share the podcast to help it reach a larger audience. If you want more Julie Brown, that's me. You can find my book, This Shit Works, on Amazon or Bonds & Noble. You can find me on LinkedIn at Julie Brown BD. Go ahead and reach out. Just let me know where you found me when you do. I'm Julie Brown underscore BD on the Instagram, or you can pop on over to my website, juliebrownbd.com. Until next week. Cheers, guys. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a tip. And remember, you can unapologetically be who you authentically are and still be wildly successful. That's a fact. See you next week on This Shit Works.